in today's episode of Rob Conrad Conversations, Shanti Hodges. We become an inside culture. You know, we don't go outside in the cold. We don't go outside in the wind and the rain or a hot, 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 hot weather. So it's really important. Like we do need to get back in touch with being outside. So the earlier you get kids interested, the better it's going to be, the more that you will impact your child's decision-making. What started as a hiking trip with her baby. But I just was like, oh, I'd rather be outside, wouldn't you? Like, who wants to go outside with me? <laughs> is now a global movement moving millions. Um, so it's, that's, so we're actually 250,000 in our Facebook groups around mm-hmm. the world. Wow. I didn't know when I started this that I would end up with 300 different Facebook groups that we'd have to manage. The publicity is a little overwhelming and overwhelming for my family. Join the conversation now. Welcome to Rob Conrad Conversations. Conversations with extraordinary people that motivate and inspire. Learn, grow, and impact lives. Subscribe now and hit the bell icon for a new conversation every week. Here comes the sunshine and burns away clouds like they never were. And welcome, this is Rob Connard from Switzerland. Sometimes seemingly simple ideas can have an amazing impact. In 2013, when Shanti Hodges started hiking with a newborn baby and just five other moms to connect and to, to enjoy the outdoors together, She didn't expect that five years later, the idea would have grown into the organization it is today. With over 300 branches across the globe, over 2,500 monthly organized hikes and over 180,000 member families. So I'm glad that the founder of Hike It Baby found some time between running her organization, her family and of course hiking to talk with me today about why it's um, so important that we spend more time outdoors, how you can get started and what it means to run a nonprofit organization of this size. Thank you very much. Welcome, Shanti Hodges. Hi, thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Um, I feel a bit bad we're not doing this like outside, but <laughs> at least... Everyone do meetings with me outside, so this wouldn't have worked out though, although you could have flown over here. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we will at some point, but um, yeah, and, and, and it's, well, here in Switzerland, it's dark outside, so there wouldn't be much to see anyway. So um, yeah, yeah. So 180,000 member families, right? Is that... Is it yeah, still the latest number? Because we're we have people that consider themselves part of our organization. Mm-hmm. They're actually on our Facebook group, and they really use our group to chat with each other, ask questions. I'm thinking of getting this backpack. Um, what carrier should I get? I'm traveling mm-hmm. to Europe. What carrier should I take? You know that kind of stuff. So, um, so it's that's so we're actually 250,000 in our Facebook groups around mm-hmm. the world. Wow. Okay. But, um, but, you know, there's also people come and go. I mean, over the years, we've had at least that, I mean, well over 100,000 people register on our website, mm-hmm. um, whether they're active now or not. Um, I think where we're actually really, truly active is we have about 25,000 people who hike on a regular basis, meaning they're mm-hmm. very active, very involved. Um, as an organization like ours grows, people, like, it, it goes through ups and downs. It's not sure. like it just like grow, 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 grow. Um, and that's the thing right now we're actually sort of in not a down, but we're trying to level it out because we got so big so fast Uh and it it was too much. Like it was like, we didn't, I didn't know when I started this that I would end up with 300 different Facebook groups that we'd have to manage. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, we'd have this calendar that's like, it's really complicated, like the online details and like the technical, um, you know, I mean, you have to be a webmaster to like learn all this. Like we don't program our own website because it's so complicated. Yeah, yeah. But what it, what's really cool is the impact it's having on community after community and that now in now that we're five years old, our intention is very much to grow strong and solid and really service people um, and not just like grow wild. <laughs> okay. So, you do have, to, you do have to, to cultivate it after a while. You can't just let it go. Otherwise, let it grow wild. Yeah. yeah. If it, it's like, it's really cool that it would grow that fast, but it can also end up, um, you know, a freight train that collapses, you know, that just crashes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you ever sit back and, and think like, holy shit, this is quite big. Like, I was just saying this to someone the other day when I started it all, I didn't really understand what it meant to be a public person. Like mm -hmm. I thought, Oh yeah, no problem. Like I'll be the front runner because you need someone like leading this charge, this movement so that there's like a face and a child to identify with and a mom to identify with. But God, once you become a really public person, then you have to, like, I don't think anyone, I mean, some people, they're like, I want to be an actor, I want to be famous. But mm -hmm. I didn't want as much publicity as I got. And now that I have the publicity, it's a little overwhelming and overwhelming for my family. And so we've had to actually step back a little bit and say, like, okay, hey, organization, you have to run this without me because it's really hard on my child. Like my, my kid after the summer, we had cameras following us and it was really cool. But my son was like, mom, I'm not the hike it baby baby anymore. It's my duty as a parent to like, he just wants to go hiking. He doesn't want to like mm. have to be like the leader and the, you know, have everyone there and taking pictures of us. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's hard when you take on something like this, you don't think a nonprofit's going to end up with so much publicity and so much, you know, you just think you're doing a good act of like, let's just get people outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you you've told the story a million times, but, um, if you could just quickly recap how you got started. Yeah. I mean, really, because my husband worked in Alaska and he was three weeks on, three weeks off on a rotation. Mm -hmm. I kind of knew he was going to be going back to work. Um, he took nine weeks off when we had our child, but then it was like, wow, I'm going to be alone. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, like, I didn't mind. I'd always, you know, I'd hiked. It wasn't like I was inexperienced. I just, the thought all of a sudden of having this child, like, how am I going to buckle my buckle? How am I going to, like, what if the baby throws up? What if the baby starts crying and I'm all alone and I'm really far away and, like, my husband isn't home to come pick us up or, you know. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of um, panic. And I mean, part of it's quite as hormones. Sitting <laughs> 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 inside in a room with a bunch of women and they were, it was like a new mama group. And, and it was cool. Like, everyone was really awesome. But I just was like, oh, I'd rather be outside, wouldn't you? Like, who wants to go outside with me? me? <laughs> so, um, so we were sitting inside and I just said, does anyone want to meet me next week? And five women showed up the first week and 11 the following week and then some dads started showing up and then I met this dad who was a stay-at-home dad and he and I became super good hike buddies and we would host like four hikes a week together and so it just became this thing and I really didn't want it to just be a mom group I wanted it to be a community of people that were just trying to get outside together and spend time so you could have grown-up time even though you were doing this either stay-at-home thing or you wanted to spend more time with other families outside on weekends whenever in the evenings and just have a hike anytime you wanted to go. Yeah. yeah okay. And then, so at, at what point did it really explode to, to the size it's now? So 
I mean, within one year. I mean, the first year was just like in Oregon and Portland. And I kind of knew it could be something. And at first it was an LLC just to protect my family. And then I was like, wow, this is getting really big. And for a couple of years, I was like, I don't know if I want to turn this into a nonprofit because there was like board of directors. And sometimes brands would kind of like, you know, it became like, they were like, well, what's your cause if you're a nonprofit? And it's like, hiking? (laughs) (laughs) I explain to people that like, you know, it's it just like so people were like, well, why don't you just have a, a thing where people pay per hike and people, and it's like, no one wanted to pay to hike because mm. hiking free, but they weren't realizing like it actually took a lot to run all this. So it was really, I was really torn. And I also wanted it to be a really free thing. I didn't want people to have to pay a lot of money to go out and do this. It's like, if it's a class, then you have to really charge something and have a whole company behind it. If it's a nonprofit, you don't necessarily have to charge, but you really have to go after grants and you have to go have a system and you have to have a program. Mm. So it was, it was just an interesting transition. It took a couple of years to decide like this has to be a nonprofit because really at the core of it, it's just about getting people outside. It's not really about building a big business around it. Okay. Uh, but so, did you, did, did you seek out the media attention um, initially or did, did it just happen? It was just organic. Like within, I did an article. I, I, I knew someone at Backpacker Magazine. I'm like, hey, can you throw something in Backpacker? And they did. And a few magazines threw things out there. And somehow, you know where how it happened was Facebook. I started posting pictures. I was always really posting pictures of all the hikes. And I, I, other people would visit from other cities and they'd go hiking with us. And then they'd share it in their community. Like, look at this amazing hike I did. And they'd share the picture from our Facebook groups. And mm from our public page. And and so that really started spreading. People started contacting from around the country. And it really happened overnight where we went from Portland to suddenly like Racine, Wisconsin and um, where else were Corvallis and Eugene. And then suddenly someone contacted us from Texas and like, it's just like, it just went. And then what would happen is it would start in one city and then it would spider out. So like mm-hmm. one city would start it and then like it'd be in like Boulder and someone from Denver would contact us and someone from Littleton and like all these different cities would spider around it um, like a spider web. And so it was just, it was quick. It was really quick. And it, within a year, it was like a hundred cities. And I was like, Whoa, that's a lot. Okay. And, and, and so, so how is it organized? Um, how does it work? I mean, if, if I want to start um, a hub in my city, um, is there any, 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 is there any, like, um, any checks on what I'm doing or is there any program I need to follow? Is there any structure that I need to follow? So how, how does it work? Yeah, we really had to put a program in place. It was a little bit hard for a while to do that because I was just like, no, I just want people to like freely hike. But then, mm-hmm. you know things started happening, like people would post their businesses, like, you know, their, their person to person businesses, like, you know, buy my oils, buy this, buy that, you know, like, all yeah, this yeah. Stuff. So we were like, okay, we have to put a system in place. Otherwise it's just going to go wild. And then also just the liability of like people hiking all over the country mm-hmm. we just needed to have a system. So we created an ambassador program where people could sign up to be an ambassador. And it meant that you were, um, went through a training program with us online you learned about our principles, our mission, vision, values, um, what we were, you know, why we needed to raise money, what types of tools we were supporting, um, why, you know, how each branch fit with each other branch. Um, it's, it, it took a long time to really make a program that really worked for a lot of people because there was this notion of like, well, I served this branch in my city. This is my branch. And it's like, no, we're a we. We're a we. We're a community. Mm-hmm. And so you have to actually really have a program and keep reminding people we're a community and it, that it's, it's much bigger than you and myself. It's all of us. And um, it's funny. It's really easy for programs to, I think, 
get derailed by that, by people getting Absolutely. Absolutely, community, yeah. and then they morph it to their community, which is important. But at the same time, you have to be really uh, aware that if you don't have a real program, it will die out when that person leaves. So if yep. it's so dependent on one person, and that's what I saw online a lot, was there's these really cool hiking groups all over the country, mm-hmm. but then a mom would age out and then it would end. Yeah, yeah. So for consistency, there is a program. So there's a program you join um, and then you get involved with your community. We teach you how to build out that community. We help manage that community with you somewhat. And then um, if you decide to go, you can pass it on to someone else, help us find another ambassador, or we let it just like sit and float on its own. And eventually someone might pick it up or it might just close down if it, if it doesn't work in that city. Um, It's, it would be nice if it worked in every single city, but it doesn't like there's some places where it just, for whatever reason, they have really long winters. Um, people are very outdoorsy. So we do our best. And one way we do that is by really redefining hike and saying hike is anything. It can be a walk in your neighborhood with your strollers on a concrete path. It doesn't need to be. It's just the idea of getting outside with your children every day, regularly, with friends, finding community so you don't feel alone. So you don't have that, that isolating feeling as a new parent. Okay. So, um, when I first heard about the idea, um, I was a bit surprised because like hiking is like, just like pack my stuff and go outside. So why, why do, why do we need an organization for that? So, could you explain a little bit what kind of support you offer to, to the people who join your organization and, and what kind of tips you give and, um, what, what, what makes it special? We have tons of blogs on layering and how to get out there, what type of gear to get. Um, you know, we get this question all the time going traveling, whether it's Europe or around the US, do I take my big frame pack and a little carrier? Like, what do I bring? So helping people with that. Also, we have all kinds of fun downloadables to keep your kids motivated. So we made these little like fun worksheets that you can download and print up, like little checklists mm-hmm. of all the things to find on trail. Um, and just all kinds of tips in general to just like, Make it so that you don't feel like you're sitting there looking at all your gear and going, do I have the right stuff? Like, am I, you know, it's, it's different when you hike on your own. You're like, whatever, if I'm going to be hungry on the trail, fine. If I brought the wrong shoes and I'm sliding down the hill, I'll deal with it. But when yeah, you're yeah. Baby, I'm like, Ooh, mm. you know, do I do, do I need to buy fancy gear for this or can I just get away with this? Or, um, and then also like now I've got two kids and a big thing we found is we give trail knowledge, which mm. is that. You don't know when you get to a hike, is there steep drop-offs? Is it on the side of a highway and you have to get your kids out on a skinny little path on the side of the highway? Well, and you've got two kids and you're negotiating that with cars zipping by. Like, these are things that we can help share with someone, whether they're actually hiking with us or not. And that's mm-hmm. really important. Um, just that knowledge of a trail. Because in America, anyway, people will go to like five different trail guides for the same trail to decide, is that really family-friendly? One mm-hmm. says family friendly, another says steep drop offs, and you're like, "Whoa, which is it?" Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and when they say family friendly, was it someone who's 30 with no kids saying it's family friendly because it seems fun? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Family for a 12 year old, not for a two year old. Gotcha. Okay. That are running in opposite directions. <laughs> I see. Okay. And and so so what what are typical beginners mistakes that people make when when they start hiking? Is it overpacking? Is it um, oh, packing the wrong stuff? Under. <laughs> <laughs> First time I went with my stroller out onto trail with my carrier in my thing and like, I mean, I had everything. And, but then the next, then as I got along, I started seeing people like not knowing because it's really hard to find shoes for little tiny babies. Like when you put out a baby's feet in cold weather, like, so you put a pair of socks on and then you put another pair of socks on and now their feet are cut off and the circulation's cut off. Yeah. So like, 
just understanding what layering means and like how much or people overdressing their kids to way too hot, right? Like, and they're not thinking about, oh, they're up against my body. So they're really, I don't need to put that giant down suit on them when they're up against my body underneath my jacket. Um, And just, just in general, like, I think, you know, trying to decide if a trail is good for a kid, like learning how to trust your kid when they're Mm -hmm. like two, three, four, and they're starting to walk, like, you know, I can't tell you how many parents just like are so nervous to go out on trail with their kids are like, Oh, like a woman just said this to me yesterday. Oh, my kid would just run off and I'd never be able to keep up. Like, you know, just that, just we're there as a community will then go out with us and that kid will get held back by other kids because those other kids will, will keep them busy and engaged. Or my kid won't go anywhere. They just get to the trail. They sit in the middle of the trail. Well, if you're with a community, they won't sit in the middle of the trail. They'll be, they'll want to keep going with all the kids. So there's a lot that comes with community that people underestimate. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of people say that to us. They didn't know they were going to need us till they found us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so what, what do you think, um, what, what's the thing that made you so successful with your organization? Is it, is it that community aspect that people kind of bond together and get to know new people and, and to learn from you, from, from each other or what, what's the secret? Um, I think community, but I think also that we viewed our community as just a model to help other communities. So like, I've always felt like, I don't care. People are like, oh, that other group's competition to you. And I'm like, no, there's no such thing. It's like, if they're getting on trail and we're getting on trail, we're all succeeding. So um, I hope that as we evolve and grow, we can continue to be that support for little local hike groups and not like a local hike group feels like they have to compete with Hike It Baby, the big bad monster. <laughs> you know, like that's what happens when you become the biggest organization is that people will try and vilify you and say that you're, you know, going to try and put all the other hike organizations out of business. It's not like that at all. It's like we're a tool and I hope that we can continue to evolve and because we're big, get the resources to make tools for all the little hike groups to use us. And, and, you know, my long-term goal was like, oh, you know, what if we can ensure all those little hike groups? Because I get really nervous seeing people just taking kids out and just being like, do you know that like, if anything happened to you on that hike with a kid, like that could be so bad for your family. It's like, I mean, it's not like that in all countries, but America has a lot of legality and liability, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to children. So there's that. And then also just to be kind of a... um you know, just a help, uh, a guide for, for families getting out there. And especially for communities that maybe don't want to be part of Hike It Baby or that are part of their own community. I mean, mm-hmm. we find like, um, I know I've been in some cities and there's like a strong African-American presence community and there are already groups and they're like, we aren't interested in Hike It Baby, but I hope we can be a support tool for groups that do want to have their own community. Um, and so that we can share fun downloadables and, and tips and, you know, and be support in any kind of way, you know, discounts on products, stuff like that, mm-hmm. get it, giving away free product. Um, we have a new program we just got a grant for, and it's called Littlest Hiker. And we're going to be going into five cities around the country and actually really working hard to get families in the hospital when they're like still fresh and just be like, get them on trail from really early on. And then mm-hmm. really focus, uh, especially on getting people of color and families that do not normally access the outdoors because it's just not part of their culture. Um, how do we reach out to those communities so we can get beyond just what the, the person to person, family to family, middle-class family to middle-class family is really typical. Um, and so it'd be nice to broaden and get beyond that, but it does take really strong initiative and intention to make that happen. 
Um, when we had our pre-interview, um, that's something we talked about, that there are big cultural differences in who hikes and who is not, not hiking. So so it's 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 not really a stereotype that people who typically hike are those you know, middle-class white uh, families. And, and that's not a stereotype. That's how it is, actually, right? Well, it is, but it's also because of the, the imagery we see. So uh -huh. we work really hard at not creating imagery that's false, but really finding out and reaching out to members of the Hike Baby community who are people of color who are really getting out there. I mean, like, mm. what was it about this community that drew you in? Why are you here? And can we help, you know, can we um, have you tell your story mm. so that you will encourage other people to know this is like not a scary group to join. It's a great way to get outside. Um, I do think it's, I mean, having been in the outdoor industry for 20, 25 years, I mean, When I think back to even like me, for example, getting into mountain biking, like I never saw a woman on a mountain bike 30 years ago when I was mm -hmm. like starting to mountain bike 35 years ago. You didn't see a woman on a mountain bike in a picture ever. So why would I ever, I didn't have any role models. So in the same thing in hiking, if all you're seeing are, I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but like one of our biggest sponsors is Deuter and I love them to death, but they're from Germany. So like a lot of their imagery mm -hmm. is going to come out of Germany. And that is most likely going to be a fairly white family if you see a family photo. And so it's really important that us hike it, baby, we, we, with all intention, really work hard to show that lots of families are getting out and your family can get out, but you're only going to be interested if you see families that look like your family. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and that also includes like getting older parents out, older grandparents out, um, you know, whatever we can, we show grandma who's 75 out hiking with her mm -hmm. two-year-old um, grandchild, you know, or great-grandchild, <laughs> because we want to show that that hiking is a sport that you can do and keep getting outside from a really young age. And it's, it's so healthy for the whole family. It's such a good I mean, it shifts families' energy towards each other, um, you know, towards their community, towards nature. And when you teach children from a really young age to have a connection with nature, they're going to take care of it. I mean, that's just a proven fact. Mm -hmm. So, so um, let's talk a little bit about the benefits of you know, of hiking and of being out outdoors. Um, you mentioned it brings family together. It's, it's uh, it creates a sense of of you know of a bond, I guess, between members of the family. But what what are other benefits that you that you've um, seen? Um, I just think like it really can, if you're having a bad day, your day can't be bad once you get outside, right? Like even if your day goes bad when you get outside and you're like, it's snowing and then you slip on the snow and you know, it's still like you start laughing at yourself because you're just like, oh my God, like it, it there's just the benefits of the outdoors, everything that we're finding now, your brain changes in the outdoors, your chemistry, your, your body, your children, you see, you can see a child that's just wound up in the house and the TV's on and there's noise and the dog's barking and they're just all wound up and you get them outside and it's just like quiet. And they're mm -hmm. just suddenly like laughing and playing in a mud puddle or climbing up on a tree stump or it just changes their energy. It changes your energy. Like if you were having a bad day with your child, get outside and I promise you your day will turn around. <laughs> and it's something um, you mentioned, I think in another interview uh, that it's, it's really never too early to get started because there's a point where it's almost too late when you know, people are in you know, fourth grade and they're already used to PlayStation and then uh, whatever they, they, they do. Um, so it's really good to start early that they get used to it and they get, get to enjoy it from an early age, right? 
Yeah. And, you know, I have to say it's, it's interesting because when I started hiking with Mason, I read an article on this parent website in the U.S. that's like it's babycenter.com and it's still up. But I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe this article is still up. But it's like absolutely under no circumstances do you hike with a child before six weeks of age. Okay. What? What? Like too much jostling. You can give them shaken baby syndrome. Okay. It's so false. Like the very best thing you can do as a new parent literally is put the baby up against your skin and go outside and start walking. Like that's what you should be doing. I mean, I guess if they're saying like, don't go out on a 10 mile hike to, you know, 12,000 feet elevation because of altitude sickness. Okay. But, but really like it's, it's so healing for a parent to get outside. You know, my husband used to take my son so I could get sleep breaks because he wasn't a great night sleeper. He'd take them in the day and just like strap them on and off they go. And they'd go hiking for hours. You take a bottle and it was awesome. And it was so bonding for them. And it just, they'd come back so happy and mm-hmm. you know, it was great. So I just, I, I really encourage people to start as soon as you feel like you can get outside, even if it's like around your block or just, you know, down to the park and walking around the park. It doesn't yep. have to be an epic journey. Um, you've seen thousands of, of people and thousands of families, thousands of young mothers probably over the last few years. And um, what are like the typical challenges for young mothers? Um, I think uh, comparing themselves to others and they'll see like one woman that just started going out hiking at like five days after postpartum with her second kid or, you know, so just not, you know, turn all that off and like, just do what works for you. So mm-hmm. if sitting in your backyard is all that works for you, great, sit in your backyard, you know? Um, so I think that's a challenge. I think also isolation. I think um, it, it, till people find us, they kind of, there is this, this real popular trend in the U.S. to be like lonely mama syndrome, like you're mm-hmm. alone, there's nobody there, all your friends disappeared and now you are alone. <laughs> and like, I just think that's, just, I don't like seeing that because I'm just like, no, you know, like there's a lot of community out there. Even if you're an introverted person, I've had so many introverted people tell me they joined Hike It Baby and they loved how as introverted as they were, they could go on a hike and they didn't have to like chit chat or be friendly with people. They could just quietly hike along and, mm-hmm. and just go. And that's, what's nice about hiking is you can kind of be in your own space on the trail, even if you're with other people and then you're not alone. Um, so that's, I think, that loneliness, that isolation. Um, I think postpartum depression is very real. I think most women suffer from even a little bit of it because you're mm-hmm. losing your identity and you're suddenly have a child attached to you at all times. And especially the first one is the hardest, but mm-hmm. Shannon would tell you, my friend Shannon, she said she's had, you know, nine kids and she said it was hard. All the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I think it, different people have different postpartum experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think also it gives you a lot of confidence to get out and take your child out into nature. It's, it's very confidence building. So I really encourage women to do it. And it's also can be very bonding. Like my husband and I can have the worst fight in the world and we go out. Hiking and we're all along. <laughs> yeah. And it's also great exercise. I mean, it's, it's a nice way to exercise, especially after you've just given birth. I mean, you can't probably, you, you're not feeling like going running in the first couple of weeks, but that like having a walk and, you know, doing uh, very low, 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 uh, how say, uh, um, 
low impact hiking. Yeah, yeah, that's that's something you always can do, and that's even good for you, and it gets you know gets everything in place, and you know, gets the circulation going again, and then it's it's uh, really good for your well being if you're a newborn well, mother. Chemistry in your brain. I mean, it will change your chem- your brain chemistry. Mm. I mean, it's been proven. It's it like even a little walk will have ram- it has hours and hours of an effect after you come back too. It's not just yeah. like getting affected just when you're doing that huffing and puffing and walking it's when you get home just the the chemistry in your brain has changed mm-hmm. um what i really liked is that you don't exclude anyone really and there, there's um, like this one mother um, with uh, her son who has a genetic disorder i think gavin his name and and uh, she was really afraid of even getting in touch with you guys because you're like yeah. my 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 son has some you know, development issues due to a brain um uh, brain disorder And, um, but still he, he joined and, uh, no, there's, there's some cute videos out that he really enjoys the time. And then, then he's, he's walking on his little, uh, I don't know how you call these things, um, yeah. a walker. Yeah. And, and it's working out perfectly fine and it's, it's, they're having a great time and it's also great for, for the kid to, to, you know, be in touch with other kids and, um, yeah, we find there's a lot of families with, um, kids with disabilities in hiking mm-hmm. because it's a community activity where everyone's going to wait for you. Um, no one's in a hurry to get through a hike. It's not a workout. It's not a, let's hammer this hike out. I mean, there are some where people will say, I'm going to be going really fast. So mm-hmm. bring your fast pace on. Um, but really for the most part, a majority of what we do is really just a focus on bringing kids together. We really mm-hmm. like it when kids have, um, differences and disabilities because to normalize that and make it so that my son, well, my sister's son has down syndrome. And so mm-hmm. my son's grown up with Saki having down syndrome always, but, um, but for him to also see that other kids have differences from him, that mm-hmm. not all kids are like him. And actually as Mason's gotten older, we discovered he has sensory processing disorder, mm-hmm. which is just really common and a lot more common than people think. Like in the past, it would have been when a kid gets in school, they say, Oh, that's a bad kid, but really okay. it's bad kids often have sensory issues where sound bothers them, smells bother them, lights bother them. Ah, okay. I understand. And what's great is in out in the outdoors, you actually, you don't have that. You, you really, um, cure that and help that. And so, so it's really great to see kids that, um, may not get along in classrooms or at library hours or these things that are like sort of supposed to be for all kids, you know, little fairs or, you know, painting, you know, you go to these little painting things and like my son couldn't do those. He would have like bopped kids on the head and thrown paint. Mm-hmm. But in Hike Baby, that was like, okay, if he bopped a kid on the head, like we all worked it out. It was like those parents in the outdoors really seen more understanding of rougher play and just more like let the kids work it out more. Mm-hmm. Let kids, um, you know, or if kids fall down, like parents are much more inclined in the outdoors to let kids work it out. And like with Gavin and um, Brandy, like she said, her therapist, her physical therapist just kept saying, what are you doing? Like he's Mm -hmm. selling so much further than we had expected. And it was because he was seeing all these other kids walking and kids would come up and want to borrow his walker. And so it was really cool because that showed Gavin, like it normalized it for Gavin, it normalized it for other kids and it really encouraged Gavin to walk without a walker. So he just kept pushing his walker aside and giving it to other kids and then walking. Oh, so nice. Okay. It's awesome. I mean, different cities have different examples of that, but we've had a lot of parents with kids with feeding tubes, um, with oxygen that just feel like, mm-hmm. so it's so nice to go out with other families that are going to not look at their kid like they're weird or different, where they feel like maybe out of place in other situations. 
Okay, okay. And um, if someone says, look, my kid ha you know, has certain special needs, um, I guess you also have experience with, with uh, no, how to, how to handle that. And you can give advice and know what, how, to, how to cater for these special needs that they might have. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really depends branch to branch. Um, but we also found um, a lot of people with peanut allergies couldn't go to a lot of kids' things because, or like strong, really strong nut allergies couldn't be at things because other kids would have nuts and parents wouldn't respect that in indoor situations it was very mm. dangerous even you know could be life-threatening so it really i mean there's a lot of reasons why outside play for groups of kids works well mm -hmm. um it really allows a lot more families to come together that maybe wouldn't be able to in a lot of situations okay, okay. um what were some of the most memorable events or things that happened in the past few years during oh, this hikes so many <laughs> i feel like they're every day i mean i get What for me, it's just that daily I get an email from someone saying, thank you. You don't know how much this impacted my family. And when I see that, I'm just like, wow, like it's all you guys. It's all the community. But it's really nice to also see that. So that's great. Um, I think the thing that's most memorable is just how many times I've seen over and over, like when the hurricane happened down in, or the was it, yeah, hurricane down in Houston, mm -hmm. when the fires happened in California, um, we had a mom in New Jersey who had a child born early and the, she was new to the community and everybody just rushed in and like took care of their house and took care of and their baby was in the NICU in the, you know, in the emergency care for, for three weeks and they all took care and fed her whole family. Fed oh, her wow. dog. So just, we've seen so much of that where the community acts in a similar way to a church or, you know, an organized fashion where they just come together and. And I mean, I remember the very first few months we started hiking baby, a woman was on trail talking about how her family was really struggling that month financially. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, yeah, you know, even shopping has been a challenge. Well, another mom went out, gathered a bunch of women and they mm -hmm. gathered some money and they went and did a huge grocery shopping and brought it and dropped it off at her house. Wow. Okay. And like, you just hear that kind of stuff and you're like, oh my God. And like, that's not, that actually, that happened in Portland. And I know it's, I've heard it over and over that it's happened in other communities and people coming up with clothing for each other. Um, you know, a family gets a pack stolen, like a frame pack and other family will donate one. I mean, mm. and brands coming in and helping in that way too. I mean, there's just been so many instances of, of just people helping people. And that's what I love about community is that when you create a strong community, people really identify with it and they see the impact of just mm. hiking together what it's done and then they feel this love and then they carry it forward and it creates a pay it forward community okay okay um talking about love i'm sorry i have to ask this but i was just curious when i read it um your husband proposed to you on a trail and uh, said in a, in a very strange way apparently <laughs> so, <laughs> we, i mean we we had a really we have a really funny on and off relationship uh, you know, I don't think we ever meant to get married and have a kid. And lots of people say that story. Mm -hmm. you know? um, we were really different people, but you know, it's really, I mean, he, he sort of nervously proposed to me on trail because at that point I was pregnant uh -huh. and we just weren't sure about, you know, what, what our future would be, but it just, it just seemed like it was the right thing to do. And then, then that said, it was still really hard the first two years. I always tell people when they're thinking of breaking up in their first two years of mm -hmm. having a child, go for a hike, work it out, 
<laughs> don't do it because the first two years are so hard. It's such mm. a, it's a change of who you are. You lose your identity. You're suddenly in a relationship, you know, for Mark and I, it was Mark and I, and now we're in a relationship with this third person. Yeah. And the focus just shifts to that other person there completely. So yeah. different. Um, and it's hard. And then, you know, you just got to keep working at it, working at it. And I'm so happy that we worked through everything and that we, you know, that, that my, I think the trail saved my husband and I so many mm. times. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, you know, and actually every time I hike on that trail where we first decided like, okay, we're going to get married. Oh my God, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm really doing this. Like it, it holds a special place. It's also the very first trail I ever hiked on with Mason mm -hmm. but by myself and the very first hike at baby hike. They were, I mean, it's just sort of this common, it's a very common town trail in the town we lived in. It was nothing There wasn't an epic view to it. There wasn't like, it was just a common trail that we hiked every day. That was very mm. familiar. And I love that because that's also the beginning of Hike It Baby. It was about, you know, the common. I wasn't saying to people, go find an epic waterfall hike with your babies. I was saying, mm. go find the trails in your town that you can all do together mm. and that you can create community and create memories on. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for sharing. So um, how often do do people typically hike when they join your organization? Is it, is it every week? Is it a few times per week? Is it totally different? I mean, some cities like in Portland at one point when we were really a booming organization in Portland, uh, we had 12 a day sometimes. Wow. Okay. Um, but right now, you know, maybe for a week, you know, it just mm -hmm. depends. And like, it goes through waves too, or we have a really active ambassador who fires up a whole bunch of people and gets them all excited. And then all these people start hiking. Um, so it depends. We have probably around, we at one point did have about 2,500 hikes a month. Lately, we've been around 2,000. It's also mm -hmm. winter, which slows us down. Um, also, a lot of hike groups started after us because they mm -hmm. saw the success of our group and that probably pulled away from some of ours. But again, like I said, we're not trying to be the biggest, most badass. We're just trying to like encourage and inspire wherever we go. So if it means another group takes off and has a bigger presence in a community, that's totally, that's awesome. And it's all just getting people outside. So, um, we just encourage people like to use our calendar and like post because it actually helps us to be able to talk to parks in different cities and say mm -hmm. how many hikes are happening in this park at this time. Um, so we can, we're a record keeper of what's happening across the country for hiking for families. So oh, absolutely. literally in some parks, like in Portland, um, we noticed after we started doing a ton of hikes there that they, and, and we, I even talked to a park ranger about how we, I wish there was more nursing benches at the beginning mm -hmm. of the park trailhead, because I could only get so far on the trail mm -hmm. and a lot of the benches were way further in. And then all of a sudden a bench appeared Okay. Trail, right at the beginning. And I'm like, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So I mean, I don't know for sure that we had that impact, but they knew how many hikes we were doing there and how many new moms were coming. And okay. to have a nursing bench when you're starting is so nice. So you're like, because you're not really like able to hike and nurse and stuff. That comes with time. Okay. So, yeah. So it's a lot, cool. a lot, a lot's happening out there. <laughs> <laughs> so if I want to get started, if I want to get started, um, what do I do? How do I get in touch with you and um, how do I find my, my group, my, my, my chapter or how do, how do you call them? Um, we call them branches. Branches. Okay. Yeah. Branches of a tree. Mm -hmm. um, and 
And we thought that early on because it's just, it really is a strong, you need that strong root system and mm-hmm. then those branches to branch off and like really blossom. Um, and so you go on hikeitbaby.com. You can just post a hike. You don't even need to have a branch in your city to post a hike. It will appear on a calendar and people can find it. And then you just share that link on your Facebook. Um, you share it with people around you. Uh, you can become an ambassador and start a branch in your city, or you can, um, uh, you can also just join a branch that exists, or you can just post hikes and people will come. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, not every area, like I live in Southern Utah, which is really remote. I mean, there's a lot of little cities. And so we sort of encompass the whole area and it's probably like 10 cities around little cities. And, you know, and, and it's like maybe an hour drive to some things, maybe an hour and a half. I mean, people still do it. They'll drive quite just dis- a long distance mm-hmm. to find a community to hike with. Um, the other thing for this area, for example, people will come from out of the city or out of the country, out of the state, like all over, and they'll hike with us because they know about our calendar. So mm-hmm. you can use it and travel and go to other cities. Like if you came to America and you were traveling around, you could just go from city to city and find hikes to do through the okay. calendar. Okay, okay. Um, so y- you've grown into a really big organization. So you have uh, like how many people are working for you currently in terms of the, the management of the organization? Yeah, like 13 employees, but then there's mm-hmm. like probably over, there's over 600 ambassadors mm-hmm. and those are people that are running their cities there. And then there's people that work about a hundred people that work on teams that help us manage different aspects so like training or our trail guide or um helping with relations with different cities with grants with grant writing so there's all these different teams and so what's cool about it too is that people that join can also just join and decide to help us on a national level and learn all kinds of skills so learning blogging learning about newsletters learning about photography um you know how to inspire you know cities work with cities to work with government we have one woman who actually got elected to a government position mm-hmm. after she was part of hike a for a couple of years because she was everybody knew her in the park system because she was always <laughs> the baby lady in the park yeah, yeah, yeah. and so she actually got uh, is now in the park commission and she's just like i never in a million years would have thought of myself becoming like a politician and like getting elected <laughs> to this and she was so excited and she's like She's like, I feel like I'm faking it. I go to these meetings with all these grownups and I'm like a politician in the room with them. You know, so it's like, it's really neat to see how um, Hike It Baby can affect people and change their lives and and give them a different insight to maybe even different careers they want to have because they worked with us and volunteered with us. Okay. So um, with the donations that you get, so it's it's $10 per year to join? Yeah. 10 a year. Uh, it really helped. We didn't have it, but you know, I have to say people are a lot more accountable and they're a lot more likely to show up and they're a lot more likely to submit hikes. And then it helped us have a base to know how many people were really truly involved with us by doing that. Okay. And, and that money, money is used to, to cover expenses and to, to pay for the, uh, the people who are full-time enjoy, uh, full-time engaged in the organization and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's also used, um, I mean, we have a $30 one that people can pay and then that helps us bring more people and create programming to get more people out onto trail and reach out more to people. Um, we have a hundred dollar lifetime membership that you pay one time and it's all for your whole life. Um, the branch ambassador fee is $50, but then it's like sort of sliding scale too. We understand that not everybody has that. And, you know, if you really are passionate and you want to get involved, there's so many ways to get involved in volunteer time. 
Um, and the branch ambassador fee goes to training. We have a pretty comprehensive training program online and technology and all that. So the technology is a, it's a huge piece that I, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, we'll just have a Facebook page. Well, Facebook can shut down tomorrow. Like you don't own Facebook. You don't run Facebook. Sure. And they change mm-hmm. things all the time. And people are like, well, I'm not getting notifications about anything anymore. And it's like, that was Facebook. We didn't do that. And so um, it's really important to us that people realize that a website is another piece. Like Facebook is an awesome communication tool. Mm-hmm. Our newsletter is great. But our website is also something that ties us together across the whole country and shows mm-hmm. you where you can go do things and people you can connect with everywhere. Okay. Okay. And then how do you keep control over the 300 groups? Is that, is there like, do you oh. check on them every now and then or how, do, how does it work? I mean, I was just wondering. We have the ambassadors. We ask uh-huh. them to be accountable and be responsible for their groups. Um, you know, occasionally we've had groups go kind of crazy rogue ish, I guess, but for the most part, no. I mean, if you just say, this is the expectation, this is our mission, this is our vision, this is our values. If we share those, then great. Let's, let's make this group happen. Um, we've never had to like shut a group down or anything like that. Um, I think because at the core of what we're doing, we're just hiking. We're not like, you know, it's, it's, it might be different if we were an organization that was really dealing with, you know, Red Cross or something like that, but this is just hiking. And so really it's Mm -hmm. all with good heart and good intention. And I think even when there's um, disagreements within the organization, everyone's really at the end of the day, just out there to, to support other people getting outside, support themselves um, and create community. And so I think that keeps it really, so it does stay a really nice, uh, happy, friendly community and, and brings in really good people. I mean, I, I'm blown away by the volunteers. They're incredible and they dedicate so much time to getting people out in their community and getting people hiking and, and outside. And it makes, it makes a difference. I mean, I've had so many people say, Oh my God, people come up to me in the store and say, Oh, you're the hikey baby lady. And and it makes them feel so good to know that's how their community sees them. It's a great way to be seen like that. You're doing something healthy for your community like that. Okay. Okay. Um, so you talked about your vision. What's the vision of hike it baby? What's the long-term plan? so many plans um really right now just stability for the organization so it's around for a long time um we are launching a trail guide in january which is super exciting which will make it so you don't have to go to five different websites now you can go to one website and find out is this really a family-friendly trail um and that you don't need a membership for everybody can use that anyone Mm -hmm. is accessible for all um and so really just like making it so when people join our organization they feel that support they feel that love they feel connected to others. They feel like they really got something out of being part of the community um, and that it helped them raise their kids mm-hmm. in a really fun, outdoorsy mm-hmm. environment. Um, and, and that we supported them in, in taking risks and going out in the middle of winter or going out during a rainstorm or, mm-hmm. you know, learning about how to read a map or, you know, all those things. So that's, that's the thing is just continuing to be improve, improve, improve upon supporting people. Um, that's the long-term vision right now. Okay. Okay. In terms of memberships, you talked about 1 million members would be the next big goal. I, I mean, I wanted to see a million people on trail and, you know, in some ways I think we probably have done it in that not only have we gotten a lot of people out, but mm-hmm. we've inspired other organizations to mm-hmm. get people out and to grow. And we've helped um, other organizations grow in a healthy fashion too, so that they didn't blow up like us. Um, we have a couple of sister organizations um, and sister brother organizations that we support and 
And so I think we, I mean, we've gotten there in a lot of ways because when I started, I couldn't find, I found a few online hype groups, but they were like in one town, you know, in Colorado and then one was in Wyoming or, you know, like they just weren't, there weren't, there wasn't a consistent group across the country. So, you know, we've done it and we've, in, we've impacted a lot of other people and inspired a lot of other people. So I feel like we've done it. And my goal is just to keep, keep getting people outside and, to show the outdoor industry that like getting outdoors isn't just like climbing a big mountain mm-hmm. and down or, you know, it's not just, <laughs> it's not just like hammering it out on a mountain bike or surfing the biggest wave out there. It's, it's really like starting with just like creating outdoor lovers from childhood where children just, I mean, they, they'll open your eyes. You go out with a child and they look at a ladybug and they're just fascinated and you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I never, I would have passed right by that ladybug or, I mean, I still always think about this tiny little red spider that my son found on the ground. I, I mean, there's no way I would have ever in a million years seen that spider. And he's like, wow, look at that spider. Look at uh-huh. it. And I mean, it was like, I mean, it was like microscopic and he saw it. And, <laughs> and sure enough, it was this tiny little spider. And, and, and those experiences are so important. And so that's what I hope we keep influencing and inspiring is us to all slow down and mm-hmm. get down to that two-year-old level and appreciate and enjoy being outside. Absolutely. And I think it's really important because what I've noticed and um, also some, some of the people I've talked to, they, they keep saying the same thing. Um, there are a lot of kids nowadays that kind of have lost touch to, to nature and to reality in a way. So there's, there's this, they're enclosed in this you know, system within cities and they never go outside. And it's, in, it's sometimes it's, it's scary how little they know uh, about, about nature and how, you know, how things work and, and could be things like gardening or even just you know, knowing where food comes from. And it's like anything that gets them in touch with nature is so, so critically important for their development. And you know, also just doing things with their hand, you know, going outside and climbing, climbing trees, even if it's just little branches, but just, just going there and you know, having the experience that they are not, not falling down if I just climb this little thing. And, and, and that, that does so much for them in terms of their um, sense of you no know, being and, and who they are and what they can do it's, it's it's critically important and we need to do more to get people outside and to get kids outside and to to have these experiences yeah yeah i mean there's i mean it's so important now more than ever because it's so easy we've become an inside culture mm-hmm. you know we don't go outside in the cold we don't go outside in the wind and the rain or a hot, 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 hot weather. Oh my God, how am I going to go outside in hot weather? I mean, it's, so it's really important. Like we do need to get back in touch with being outside. Mm -hmm. So the earlier you get kids interested, the better it's going to be, the more that you will impact your child's decision-making when they want to, when they're a teenager, when they're older, when they start thinking about things they want to do with their kids. Yeah. What did you learn about motherhood? Oh, from hiking or from, from, yeah, from, from the past five years that you've been doing this. I mean, um, you've seen lots of mothers and, um, I mean, in a way it's reducing the whole thing to mothers. It's not only mothers, but, but, um, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, parenthood, I guess, but parenthood, but motherhood in, in particular. Okay. So our tagline for hike it baby is parenthood is an adventure. Bring it outside. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I learned that, like, if parenthood is not going well, if motherhood is not going well, just go outside. I've done it at eight o'clock at night when I should be putting my child to bed. I'm like, no, this day is not going well. We're going hiking. <laughs> and I've really done that. Okay. Um, so I really learned just that, you know, it, it, there is just, there's no book, there's no guide, there's nothing mm-hmm. that can teach you anything but your gut. And if your gut says, like, 
get outside, go get some exercise, go, you know, explore a little more, trust it and go with it. Um, and I, I think the big thing I've learned in the last five years is releasing fear. You know, it's so easy to be scared when your kid's climbing up something huge or like pulling your ledge, you're like, no. And I actually have learned in the last year that all the no, go away from that cliff, go away from that edge has not been good for my son because he's really a cautious person anyway. Um, and he is quite careful and thoughtful. And so I noticed he started getting really mad at me whenever I would do that because I'm not trusting him. So I really have had to learn. You, you really have to pay close attention to what kind of child you have. And if you have a child that can be trusted, let, like, let them they're not going to get, I mean, as long as it's not like a thousand foot drop, but if there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a ledge, like let your child go to the edge, let them give them some free reign, even though it's so scary. Like it's so hard to watch your kid climb that tree. And like they're, they're, because that is going to give you a strong child. And if they break their arm, they break their arm. Like mm-hmm. they will survive it. They will survive it. Um, you know, so just really like, it's so hard to let go, you know, like mm-hmm. you're going to have to do it when they're 18. So you might as well start when they're three. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so, so, it's true. It's a huge thing for, especially for mothers. I think mothers can just be so like, you know, um, you know, I see my husband the way he'll be with my son and I'm just like, Oh my God, like, Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's okay to have some consciousness, but let go, mm-hmm. like let go of your child a bit, let them explore, especially in the outdoors, especially in nature. I mean, don't let them go running off in the shopping mall, but if you're outside and they can go ahead of you on the trail, let them go ahead, let them mm-hmm. be the leader because that's going to make them a stronger child. And that's going to make you a stronger person too, because you're trusting yourself. You're trusting your gut is saying your child is a smart child. And mm-hmm. sure enough, your child runs ahead and comes back and you were right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and kids are not as stupid as we sometimes think. I mean, they, they, yeah. they, they, they do, they do stupid stuff, but, um, they're in many senses, if you let them just go wild then they're quite reasonable. So they, 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 they know their boundaries. They will, you know, they, they will learn how, what, how far they can go and they will maybe test it a little bit, but no, they're not stupid. They're not going to jump off a cliff just, just to jump off. And at least in most cases, <laughs> that's what I've experienced. I mean, I've seen, there are kids that are, whoa, like you're like, oh, I'm so glad this other kid, but then <laughs> the boundaries are with your mm. kid and, and uh, get a really good harness. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you, you don't help. Not averse of leashes. <laughs> yeah. But in a way, you don't help your kids by overprotecting them. I mean, you, you help your kids by, by exposing them to, to risks and to, by, by teaching them to, to learn how to manage that risk themselves. Yeah. They yeah, will, they will. Some bruises are great. I mean, you know, if your kid falls and hurts themselves, they're not going to, they're going to remember that the next time. That is an important mm. lesson. You know, I mean, when Mason falls off of things and he's crying, you know, I'll run over like, <gasps> and then I have to be like, nope, you're okay. Come on, let's get up, you know, and, and you see parents do that. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know, are they being mean? But no, I mean, it's you've got to do that. You've got to let them cry and cry it out and get up and have them do it again. Um, you know, and, and then that said, there are times when we do need to. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah but not, still, I mean, you don't want to scare them so much that they won't do it again. Um, so it's a fine, fine balance. And oftentimes we are more scared than the kids because yeah. this summer, for example, we have, you know, we have three kids, the seven, four and two years, two year um, old, the three girls. And this summer, um, the little one managed to 
bumper heads twice. Some someone like falling backwards in the stone and like like cutting cutting her head, her head open. Like and everything was full of blood. And then one time we had a, a garden party and that happened again like two weeks after the first time. And you know there were all these mothers like, oh, do we need to go to the hospital? Like, oh, there's so much blood and everything. Like, ah. Oh. And she was like, I want to go play. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what. Well, I know what all the fuss is about. Like, and then we just like, kind of knotted the hair together, and everything was fine. And so sometimes, we, like, we we just tend to overreact. I mean, it's kids are fine, and they're gonna think like, yeah, yeah, there's blood, but okay. Do you feel fine? Yeah, I feel fine. Do you want to go play? Yeah, then go play. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's gonna heal. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, it's it's important to give. I mean, I think it's really important getting them dirty, letting them get dirty. I mean, that's another mm. thing. Like, don't be afraid of dirt because it's like it's good for them. They're gonna eat it. They're gonna roll in it. They're gonna I mean, and it's and it's healthy for them. It's healthy for them. There, I've, I've I've read so many studies that one of the reasons we have so many allergies and we have so many um, health issues with young kids is because they don't get exposed to dirt as much as they used to. I mean, in the past, you just, you know, went out outside and just get dirty. And then, as you said, you eat whatever you could find. And nowadays we have to know just this clinical, you know, everything needs to be sterile. Just don't touch it. And if you, if you touch it. People worry about taking their kids to playgrounds and public, you know, I, I was never very wary. Mason didn't get sick a lot. So I'm, I'm lucky. I mean, I don't know what it would be like to be a parent with a kid that gets sick a lot, but Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I was really like germ, like really into him getting germs. People be like, oh, I shouldn't come play with you. My kid's got a runny nose. I'm like, oh no, come on over, bring that. <laughs> I, I just yeah, wanted, yeah. I wanted to keep his immune system really strong. And I, I do believe the more you're out in the world, the more you're exposed to the stronger your body's going to be. Now that said with global warming and stuff, there's a lot of, there is some scary stuff out there. I mean, there are a lot of mosquitoes and bugs and things. Mm. Ticks ticks are a huge problem in America. I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Our, our big daughter just, uh, was in the hospital for two weeks because of that. Um, because she got a, uh, she had a tick bite and we didn't, we didn't realize it. We usually check when she's coming back home from the woods or something when she's playing. And we live in an area uh, which is not critical, but um, where my my like my wife's um, sister lives, they have a lot of ticks that have you no, know, they're um, they are um, yeah. And so um, she she one you know, a few weeks ago she came um, back home, and she had a really swollen knee, and we thought okay maybe it's from you no know, she she hit her knee some somewhere or something, but it just wouldn't go back, and she you no know, it was hurting, so she went we went to the doctor, and then they found out that she um, had. Uh, antibodies um, from a from an older tick infection and so then uh, no they had to start on antibiotics and everything and then like two weeks later the whole leg started to swell and get red really red like and we're like oh geez, this is not good so we went to basically the emergency room and they they said oh this doesn't look doesn't look nice and so she had to um uh, be operated the next day and they looked at your knee and everything so it's like so and so there was some some um, some like cross infection with um, something else that that was caused by the basically uh, the, the t- so, so it was really we uh, like two months ago we had this really like, two weeks of hospitals in and out and hundreds of tests and then it was it was crazy so it is yeah it's, but then again it's part of nature and you know it's yeah aware but at the yeah. same time it's just the same thing of like you can be in a shopping mall and your kid could get run over by something you know it's like there's so yeah. much that happen everywhere the fear. I, nature is not something to be afraid of because if you just keep an eye on what's happening out there, mm-hmm. where your environment, where you're from, where you live, what, what things are out there. Um, you know, I, I mean, I really, I think I, I saw something in backpacker magazine that was talking about like 
being attacked by a shark versus being hit by lightning versus, you know, getting hit by <laughs> a tick versus, you know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's really, it's, you know, nature, there's, sure, there's things in nature, yeah. but you can just as easily, and there's more likely chance of getting hit by a car on the freeway. Yeah. Um, and having an accident on the freeway. So life is a risk and it's, and always ends up dead, deadly. So at the end of the day, so it's, um, yeah, something we have to learn to deal with, but, uh, not as bad. What was your big, biggest challenge this past five years when you were growing the organization? Um, I think just, it's just hard to grow something like this. And like the first couple of years when I was alone at first, and then I had Jessica, who's now the executive director, she was mm. in it with me. Um, there were a few other people involved, but it just was really just not wanting to put the responsibility because it grew so fast and so much mm. responsibility on, on volunteers because, um, because at the end of the day, you know, I was accountable for it. I was the one responsible for it. Um, so it was just hard, hard to grow so fast. Um, mm. I think social media is a wonderful thing and it can be a curse for small organizations mm. because people think you're a lot bigger than you are. And okay. because you're everywhere on social media, people think that you're this huge organization. You know, I think for a long time, people thought we were really big because we had all these cities that we were involved in, but we were still just a small group of people. And I don't think people understood we were just a few of us working on it. Um, mm. And I see this so often with nonprofits and the burnout factor is really high. I mean, really, really high. And, and so then nonprofits can close. We had a, another nonprofit here in America that just closed down this year that was started right when we started and it was a baby wearing organization and it just, you know, burnout and they had to file bankruptcy and, you know, so that's mm. okay. the scary thing is when you start something this big, the responsibility you feel, you can't just mm. walk away from it. I mean, so many times my husband's just like, why are we doing this? And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I can't just walk away. And um, so that's really hard. And then, you know, just learning all the ropes. I have no nonprofit experience. So mm. learning the ropes is really intense. Um, and there's no real guide to doing something like this because Facebook and Instagram and all of that is blowing these organizations up so fast. There's no real guidance. Mm -hmm. There's no one there saying, this is how you should build your pages. This is how you should build your newsletter. Um, these are things you should think about if you're a nonprofit. Um, this is what your board should look like. I mean, it seems like it'd be standard, but it's not. Not There's so much to running a nonprofit. So many pieces. It's, it's okay. hard. Yeah. So what were the biggest lessons? What uh, mistakes did you make that you, in hindsight, would say, okay, I could have avoided that? Or if you do, if you do want to start the nonprofits, then, then don't do that thing because that's bad. Yeah. I mean, I think just slowing down and like knowing that, um, you know, I guess I thought we had to be really big to get a lot of support. But then now in hindsight, I see other organizations that started when we started and they weren't big and they were other, other types of nonprofits. They weren't around children and hiking. Um, and they didn't get that big and, um, they're still really popular and growing. And so I think working on the systems very first, right away, really understanding nonprofit world, working on the systems, getting the systems in place and, um, and then leaning on other big nonprofits, like, I've been going more and more to big nonprofits and saying, Hey, help us like understand this. Like we just went to a really big one the other day and we're like, Hey, like, what are you doing about your international stuff? Because we are dealing with international stuff. And, and it was great to hear what they were doing because we view them as like this huge multi-million dollar nonprofit and that they were struggling with it. We were like, Oh, phew. We're not the only ones. So it's really, I think really getting those systems in place are so important and not to be like, we're growing, we're growing. We don't have time to get that in place. We'll just do it as okay. we go. 
Get so by, 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 by systems, what do you mean by systems? Like technical systems or? Your technical, your team, um, your, just all the pieces that it takes around your board, really picking your board smart. It's so easy to just pick your friends to be on your board in the beginning, but really think about like, who do you want in there in three years and five years? And, um, and really looking for those financial, those, the finances that are going to run, help run the nonprofit. Because there's this notion that it's a nonprofit. You don't need money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You just as much money as a business. Like to never think that if you're a nonprofit, you're not a business. As a nonprofit, you are a business. Um, you have to run just like a business. You may not have to pay taxes in the same way, but you have to run just like a business. And sometimes even more because you have to account for every single dollar. <laughs> so being really understanding that, Transparency is really key. Um, you know, we got accused a number of times of like not being transparent enough, but I think, you know, we were just busy running, running, running. We don't have time to do an annual report. We're too busy. We're, we're, we got too much going on. Sure, yeah. uh, and so just not, um, you know, there's just so much, sadly, a lot of nonprofits are being, you know, fingers pointing, oh, they're taking money and doing this. You know, it's, it's too bad, like that these big nonprofits that really are taking millions of dollars. <laughs> Are we kind of spoiling it for the little ones that are like, we don't have any dollars to take. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would pay for, I mean, in the beginning, like, I literally ran a thing called the Hike of Baby 30, a challenge to raise $3,000 to keep our website turned on. Mm-hmm. Because it shut off. We had no more money. Okay. Um, and so that's the thing is like understanding that, like, be transparent about it. Like, I'm raising this money because we have to shut off our website otherwise and we won't continue. So like tell people, like tell people why you're doing it. Um, because really there's nothing that, you know, as a nonprofit, you're not really, there's nothing really to hide. You aren't, you, you aren't making money for a person you're making, you're doing an organization for the better of humanity and for creating something that didn't exist before and to help people, you know? Um, and the other thing is like, don't give up on your, your dream of doing it. Like think small, start small. Don't worry about how big it's going to get. Just think small. Think about who you're servicing. Um, find those super champions around you and ask them to help like with that vision. You know, I, I, I constantly am stepping back and saying like, okay, you guys got this. I need to not be part of this vision part because you got this and, and trust your team around you. Let people take things on. Um, I, I mean, I think I definitely micromanaged in the beginning. And that's mm-hmm. the temptation in the beginning, but then you have to start going, okay, it's a nonprofit and it's for the better of all people. So mm-hmm. what other information can help this organization grow mm-hmm. and be strong and be, okay. be for everyone? Yeah. Do you think there's going to be um, a time when you will completely like step back from everything but just like let it go and say, okay, it's, it has like the, the, the child has grown into something big and now it's, it's on its own. And then I... Yeah, no, I'm I'm out of here, so it doesn't need me anymore. I'm doing it now, I mean, I'm just on the board now. I stepped back mm. from the executive director position. I mean, I'm doing okay. it now because it's really important that the team that that the organization. It's so important if you start an organization that you let your organization run on its own without you, because mm. there is always the possibility that you as a human can expire. <laughs> yeah, around to run that, so it always has to have the strength to be a powerful organization without you. So that's been so on the forefront of my mind for the last year that like, you know, this is so, it's so critical that this organization is not about me, that it's about the the mission and that it runs fine without me. So more and more, the board has asked me to step back and like turn things over. And literally they're like, 
even if it feels like they're going to sink, you can't get in there. You can't jump in there. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm <laughs> and every once in a while, I'll jump back in and be like, oh, maybe if you did this. But then I step right back out. And okay. I don't offer it as you should do it. It's a, it's advice. Like, hey, think about this next time you're, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out sort of because my son is five. Um, and I want to always be on the board, be a part of the, the vision growing, but I have lots of other movements I want to help. And so that's the thing I've learned so much from this that I would love to continue helping other organizations. And so that's why it's important that I'm not so tied to mine that I can't step over and help other people, help other organizations grow. Okay. So, so what are these organizations? What are the next projects for you? Um, so right now, um, right now my next project is raising my son. <laughs> fair, fair enough. On, on spending more time with him and our family and stuff. And as he, cause he's getting to ready to start school and getting them all ready for that. Um, and then, you know, I, I recently, like in the last year, I did work with Facebook a little bit, helping like going to things and speaking with them and, and, I hope I can do more stuff like that, working with Facebook, working with other nonprofits that reach out to me that ask for help in figuring out what, how to grow out smart, because it's so easy right now for organizations to blow up overnight. It's, there's so many tools out there, <clears throat> but you don't, if you haven't built the structure, the foundation, <clears throat> it's no good. You know, it can just collapse <clears throat> too overnight. So um, so I'm hoping I'm going to have opportunities that come my way to help other organizations, um, grow out smart and to think about their board, to think about their staffing, to think about, um, alternative means of financial support because grants are lovely, but they're really, they can be so hard for an organization and they can change your mission. Okay. You get a sponsorship dollar and it's just like, you give us these dollars and we are going to keep doing our mission. It may be actually a lot better for an organization. Um, the tricky part in America is right now, if you get, you can only get so many dollars from uh, sponsors without it being taxable and entering into a uh, okay. There's a, there's a okay. lot of things. So like for a small little nonprofit starting out, they just don't, you don't think about all those things. You don't think about why a membership is important. Um, I, you know, I'm watching another small organization I love that started out and they didn't think about, you know, they were like, oh, you know, we're just going to be a free thing. And now they're starting up a membership thing and they're just like, oh man, we have to. And I was like, yes, you have to. And I, when I started doing a membership, I was like, no, no, I don't want to have a membership fee. And other organizations said to me, you have to. So it's important to have people with experience, um, that have been through it to be able to help coach organizations coming up on how to, to build strong and smart. Okay. 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 Um, you mentioned your you no know, helping humanity and then uh, bringing humanity forward. What worries you about the state of humanity and the state of our planet? Um, just that we're not connecting in real life. There's such a huge movement for online, like oh, you can be part of this community on whatever XYZ platform, mm -hmm. whether it's Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you know, but. Um, you know, Snapchat it, you know, whatever it is, but there's just, that's not real life. Like nothing can replace people connecting in a circle and talking on trail in, you know, around a campfire. Um, this is primal. This is what we've done since the beginning of time. And so that's, that's what worries me is when you hear about people not connecting and people fighting and, 
honking their horns at each other in their cars, they're in their bubbles and they're not connecting person to person. And so, um, so that's what worries me about humanity is our lack, uh, our support of people not having to connect in real life. Mm. You know, that's, it, it's time. We have to connect person to person. It's not enough to just connect through a Facebook support group or a, you know, some kind of online support group. You have to actually go out and be with people face to face. So that, that's what I hope is that, that I hope we'll see a lot of rebellion against that. I hope that people will start to realize that they're burnt out on so much online. They're, they're burnt out on just FaceTiming with family members. I hope that people start going and seeing their family members. I mean, myself included, like I just spent Thanksgiving with my whole family and my husband's whole family. We were just like, Oh my God, that was so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we did it. Yeah. yeah. Like people don't do that anymore. It used to be like when I was a kid, I remember families getting like huge families get togethers and stuff. And it just happens less and less like, Oh, Mm -hmm. too far to travel, too expensive, too, so, you know, and we have this, this, this online tool, these online tools that allow us to not go see our family anymore. Because you can yeah, see yeah. them all That's anytime true. you want by just picking up your phone. Um, but that is not a replacement for real human interaction, for hugging mm. your grandparents and being together. So I hope with movements like Hike It Baby um, and other movements that are happening mm. where people are being gathered together more and more that that has an impact um, that we use these nonprofits, we use these organizations and these gathering tools to really gather people, to bring people mm. together instead of just sinking into them and having chat groups, you know? Mm. Okay. So. Um, I just want to quickly talk about your book. Um, you've uh, published a book um, called Hike It, Bi- Hike it Baby. <laughs> Um, if you could just tell people what they can find in the book. And, um, I mean, I look, I really loved it. It's, there's wonderful, wonderful images, especially. I love the, I love, love the pictures and the photographs that really makes you want to, you know, go out, but maybe you could talk a little bit about what people can find in the book and why they should get it. Yeah. So the book was really fun and really hard. It took a year and it was, it was, uh, I went, I sort of shouted out to the hike baby community, to the adventure mm. community, to a couple other hike groups I was a part of and said, Hey, what are the best hikes out there across the country to get out and adventure with little mm-hmm. kids? And so I got a bunch of different hikes sent back to me. I worked on like, where could I find good photos for them? What were the best hikes? Mm. And put the book together and it was awesome. I mean, it's, it's a, it feels like, you know, I wrote it, but it feels like it's a collective of all kinds of great adventures by all kinds of families. There was lots of involvement by other families sharing their stories, sharing their places, sharing their pictures. Um, and so that feels great because it feels very real. Like it's not just like a cookie cutter guidebook, you know? Um, and it was really, I'm excited that that's out in the world now and that it's also opens up a possibility for other people to do guidebooks like that and for people to see that like family guiding books, family outdoors books are really important to getting people outside. Um, so yeah, that's in on Amazon. It's on Inbound. It's on, you can buy it online all over the place. Um, so that's, it's, it's, it's great. It's out. I hope, I hope I get to do more. We'll see. I mean, I, I've talked to the publisher. We've talked about some other book ideas. Um, this year was just, it was too fast to turn around from when that book came out to like getting it together to do another one. So maybe in 2020, we'll see another book. I, I hope that the Hike a Baby community, you know, I hope we can do something more localized too. 
or different states maybe or different regions because it wasn't enough. Like a hundred hikes was really a lot of writing. It's like a 370 page book. Yeah. It's not enough. It's not mm. like there's like, that was like some states didn't get any trails and some states had like mm. four trails. It's it, when you start looking at the U S and then the world, I mean, there's just so much out there. It wasn't enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, international versions were nice. I mean, I loved the idea. I loved, you know, the descriptions of the hikes and everything. So I really, uh, I thought, you know, why, why is there nothing like that in that form for Switzerland, for example, because we have a lot of great hikes where we are. Um, I'm so surprised. I would think you guys would totally have something like that. Yeah, well, but they're, they're probably like general hiking guides. But then again, it's, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, it's like, you know, what does it mean? Yeah, it's family friendly. Yeah, does it mean is it, is it like a two hour hike for us carrying the kids or is it like two hours with the grumpy three-year-old that doesn't want to to walk or is it like two hours for two six-year-olds or that's the kind of stuff you that's the kind of stuff you don't find that's the kind of stuff that uh, at least i never know i never found when i was looking for it i know i so. try to encourage like even like backpacker magazine here in the u.s they're we're really partnered up with them mm. on a bunch of stuff um when you get your membership you get a free issue of backpacker <laughs> um oh, good so, to know what and it's got beautiful pictures and great articles but i always like it's just need a little icon that like dots on the page on articles that are like this is family friendly like family mm -hmm. family approved hike it baby approved oh i wish they would do that on their magazine because that would really help when you're reading through the magazine because i've looked at things in there and i'm like huh i wonder if i could take mason there there's nothing in here that tells me if i could take mason or not mm -hmm. to this adventure um especially when they're international or you know that's even more daunting because the further you get away from the U.S., mm -hmm. then you're like, you know, okay, that's in whatever country. Is that going to be safe for little kids? Like, what does it take to get there? And mm -hmm. yeah. so, so yeah, I, I hope that there's more guides that come out for the world because I think we are at a point when people are very transient. People do travel a lot with kids. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's, we, we experienced it uh, ourselves like two years ago, we were hiking and we were like two hours in and then it's like, yeah, it's, it's okay for families to go there and everyone's like, that's fine. And then we reached a point where like the, the big warning signs, like, okay, you need to, now is the point where you need to you know, put your kids onto ropes because it's like, it's like uh, 500 feet um, fall left and right. Like, okay, someone could have told us before. <laughs> We went there. Yeah. So, so it's like, um, so I, I had a rope luckily, but we know we didn't have any harnesses or something like that. So, so that's something we bought afterwards. Now we have it, but like at that point I was like, oh shit, that's, 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 that doesn't feel too comfortable. If you like this big warning sign, like, okay, from now on, it's, it's going to be dangerous. Like, okay, this is, what does it mean? So, so, um, no, it's, it's really common. And I think that a lot of trails don't warn you or, you know, they warn you when you're already deep in and you're like, Oh, well, now we can turn around or you get there and you've driven 45 minutes to get there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. Oh, how are we going to do this? I, I've had people tell me that about a lot of the national parks. A lot of them are really friendly in the U S but you know, like you have to know which one, like you go to Glacier mm -hmm. and it's, there's not a lot of trails for little kids or like here in Zion, there's a couple, but you know, a lot of times people will be like, Oh, so we're going to try and, stroller around zion and you're like no <laughs> like i had some friends that came and they were from uh argentina and italy and they were like yeah we we're just gonna stroller through the park i'm like no you won't be able to hike anything in zion with the strollers mm -hmm. i loaned them a carrier and, and they were like oh no carrier hurts our back and and they had this really old junky carrier and i loaned them one of mine they were like this is amazing so i like sent mm -hmm. them off and away with it because okay. it does make a difference like you need to know what trails are good and if you're going out into the trails like what gear do you need to get out there okay yeah. um 
Shadi, there's um, two last questions that I have. And I'm always asking this question uh, to everyone that I'm talking to. And the first question is uh, this is about you know, extraordinary people. So people who make a change and make a difference in this world and who you know, do things like getting hundreds of thousands of people to, to hike and to go outdoors. Um, so who is someone who you would consider extraordinary? Um, so I was thinking about this question and the person that right now I'm just loving and I'm loving following her is Myrna Valerio. Mm -hmm. Um, she is the motivator. She motivates thousands of women mm -hmm. to get out running. Uh, she's a very positive body, positive person. Um, she's a plus sized ultra runner. So um, I don't know her clothing size, but you know, she gets to the trailhead and to the races and people are like, are you sure you're running this? Are you, you know, this? But uh -huh. she used to get a lot of that. Um, and so she's just incredible. She just blows my mind. She's super fun to talk to. Um, she's also African-American. And so I really like that. I can kind of ask her my uncomfortable questions like, Oh, is this, am I allowed to ask this question? Like, or, you know, um, not that you want to be leaning on your friends that are African-American for that all the time, but it, I do feel really comfortable sharing a lot of things with her and learning from her. And she has just an incredible way of approaching the world and approaching all people. And um, she is, you know, when I look at her, she to me is the ultimate American that you want to meet. <laughs> um, just like full of energy, full of life. She's a mom. She's a singer. She's a performer. She's a writer. She has a book out. I mean, she's just like Renaissance woman. And, uh -huh. and I feel so lucky that she's my friend now. Um, and I met her through Instagram and, and mm -hmm. I saw a video of her, which, you know, you've got to post the link for this video. I saw this REI video of her and I was like, I need to meet that woman. I don't, I just, I gotta meet her. <laughs> and she's just blown my mind ever since. And, um, she always has time for everyone and I don't know how she does it. <laughs> and, and does, yeah. So, so I, I really hope that, you know, Myrna is a runner and that's what her platform is, but I feel like she is really a voice for the outdoors and a voice for, you know, a stronger, more loving America um, of people coming together and, and more compassion and compassion for the world and for um, creating community. Um, she's just doing it by just living um, mm -hmm. and walking and running the example. And people are just following and flocking after her. It's awesome. So okay. he's my extraordinary person. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll definitely reach out to her. And um, th the last question that I'm always asking, and then I want to close it with this is um, to anyone who's watching or who's listening to this, what's your, what's your message? What's your message to the world? Get outside. <laughs> if you're having a bad day, if you're having a good day, um, you know, the outdoors are beautiful and will heal so much. Um, and, you know, just simply going and sitting in the woods or sitting in the desert or sitting for a moment of silence and mm -hmm. taking in the world. Um, nature gives us so much that we can never get from you know, our busy, busy lives. So mm -hmm. that would be my message. Oh, and perfect timing. It sounds like there's a kid walking in. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Shanti, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciated it. And we'll stay in touch. And um, I hope you come to Switzerland to go hiking one time. Oh, we have yeah, wonderful... Yeah. We so have to go. I sent it to my husband. I'm like, we're going here. I definitely. Yeah, well, be my guest. Be my guest. Definitely. It uh, would be a, a big pleasure. So thank you very much for your time. And um, we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Chase. Bye-bye.
Thank you for watching. And in a few seconds, you'll hear about the extraordinary person that I'm going to talk to in my next conversation. But before that, I need to ask you for your help. See, finding people who inspire and motivate you to make a change, that's what's most important to me. But to connect you with these amazing people and to bring you conversations that you will not find anywhere else, I need you to become a part of our journey. So please get involved and leave a comment below with your own questions and maybe even tell me who I should talk to next. And if you know anyone who might like this conversation, then please share it because I'm sure that they will like it too and it will help to grow this channel and to make an impact together. And by the way, on my website, you will find all current and upcoming episodes, including show notes and transcripts, background info, books and websites of my guests, podcast links, and much more. And once you become an email subscriber, there is always some exclusive content. So don't forget to sign up and I'll see you in the next conversation. In the next episode, Rob talks to John Austin. As a young kid, John discovered that he was able to talk backwards just as fluently as forwards. But he also discovered that he was different. His unconventional perception of things made it difficult to thrive in his career and social life, struggling to connect with people and make friends. It wasn't until his 40s that he was finally diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, a disorder on the autism spectrum. This explained his challenges, but also the remarkable abilities that this disorder brings with it. Rob and John talk about being different, what has changed since his diagnosis, the world of opportunities his unique talent has opened up for him, and much more. Join the conversation now.